Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome in to Best on the Board here on The Athletic. Michael Beller and Casey Joyner with you to talk through the remainder of the Week 7 slate. Obviously, we all know it's a shorter week than we've had at any point this season because we've got six teams on by, so just 13 games in the week. Browns and Broncos are already in the can, so 12 games remaining. Casey, how did you take a look at this slate when you're just sizing everything up? We've got 12 games, three huge spreads. Anything jump out at you in particular? Yeah, I mean, that was the big thing was uh, I, I even thought there were some games that sh- probably should have had higher spreads. And I think the book said, you know, when you've got three double-digit spreads, they kind of like capped where it was going to be because they figured they, they didn't want to have that many blowouts and things. I have a feeling, though, when I'm looking at it, I'm seeing all these games like this and I keep going, you know, I bet a lot of these games are going to be closer than people are thinking. I just mm-hmm. have that gut instinct that uh, some of those double-digit spreads are not, not going to go quite like people are expecting going to go. Well, we will certainly see. It's hard to lay any of those numbers. Of course, we are referring to uh, Cardinals and Texans. Cardinals, 17-point favorites. Rams and Lions, 16.5-point favorites are the Rams. Buccaneers are 12.5-point favorites against the Bears. Those are the big ones. Then we got a couple coming up after that as well. I'm actually going to talk about one of those three games for my Week 7 picks. Let's kick things off here, Casey. Really quick look back to last week. A 2-0 week for you. Daryl Williams going over the 47.5 rushing yards and the Packers covering 5.5 against the Bears. One and one for me. Cowboys did cover for me against the Patriots. Chargers did not against the Ravens. You're sitting at 7 and 10 on the season. I'm at 6 and 8. Let's build on that this week. Let's go forward with our week 7 picks. I got a feeling you said that uh, you thought that maybe there would be a couple of higher spreads than they are. I think your first pick here maybe is one of them considering which side you're on in Packers and Washington. Yeah, this is one that I thought should have been higher than the minus eight for the Packers because and the Packers are real attacking. They've not picked up much this year. They passed for only 300 or more net passing yards once. They've rushed for 100 yards in four straight games, 100 or more yards, and they've racked up 418 rushing yards in the past three weeks. Washington, though, per true media, Washington is dead last in vertical passing yards allowed and vertical touchdowns allowed the last four weeks. Over 700, almost 800 passing yards they've allowed in the vertical passing game, and they've allowed eight touchdowns. I mean, they're just they're a sieve in the secondary. Heineke gets off to a great start for Washington, but he's become turnover prone since then. Washington's posted two giveaways in three of the past four. Not a good trend against the Packers defense. It's tallied nine takeaways in the past five games. Green Bay's at home, and Washington is 0-3 against the spread as a dog in uh, 2021. And I think they're going to go 0-4 in that one. I think Green Bay uh, covers this by double digits. Yeah, this is one where we are in agreement. I'm not picking it for the purposes of our show. I actually did write this up in my early lines column way back on Monday. I guess I write that column. Yeah, Monday. Uh, and this was actually at nine and a half KC uh, on Monday. And part of the reason I write that column is because I, I part of the, what I look for in that column is spreads. I think are going to go in the direction of the team I'm backing. So when I wrote up the Packers as minus nine and a half, it's not just because I like the Packers to cover that number. It's because I think by time Friday, Saturday, Sunday roll around, you're gonna have 
have to be laying 10 or 10 and a half. So in that way, sort of a fail on my part because now it's down at minus eight, but I think everything that you laid out uh, makes this a strong, strong case for the Packers. And like, you know, I like to come back to you and just ask where you think things go wrong. Like, I'm not sure where things go wrong because the Packers' strengths and Washington's weaknesses are in like perfect alignment with one another. And and I think that's really what makes the Packers a comfortable uh, bet in this situation. Yeah, definitely. And I, there are, I mean, a couple of places they could. I mean, if Heineke gets back to playing like he did earlier this year, but uh, I don't think that's the case. And plus, Washington's starting to get banged up, too, in a way that uh, Green Bay isn't. And the fact that Green Bay now can lean on Dylan and Jones because mm-hmm. they're starting to get Dylan double-edged carries every week. They're not turning it quite into platoon, but now they've got a two-headed backfield. Makes me even scarier. Yeah, maybe last year's Washington defense can slow down the Packers enough to keep this within eight, but they don't have that really at play this season. Uh, Terry McLaurin, Antonio Gibson, they're going to play, but neither of them at 100%. This is, I mean, no team can afford to have their top two playmakers uh, be at less than 100%, but this team especially cannot. When you also have uh, Logan Thomas out, Curtis Samuel potentially out again, it's just a really depleted offense, and that makes it hard for me to trust that they can stay within the eight and stick with the Packers. That is your pick for the record here. I am right there with you on it. My first pick for the record on this episode of Best on the Board is that big spread Rams and Lions 16 and a half is what this one sits at now I wrote this up and bet it a couple of days ago Casey when it was still down at 15 and a half and I said uh, this is going to get to 17 I wrote it in that same early lines column back on Monday uh first line is uh this will be up to 17 by Sunday mark it down right now and come make fun of me on Twitter and in the comments section of this column if it's not up to 17 I think we are ultimately going to get there by the time this kicks off it's at 16 and a half and look a lot, pretty much. When we're looking at a full betting card, like we're not going to bet every single thing on the list. That's a great way to lose. So, a lot of times when I first look at a thing on Sunday, I look for what can I just cross off right away. What can I just put out of the thing, thought process and not think about right away. And very often, I'll see a, a spread that's at 14, 15, 16. Be like, all right, like can they cover that? Of course, but let's just leave that out of the thought process and move on. I couldn't do that with this one. I did it with Texans and Cardinals. I couldn't do it with this one, and it is because, similar to what we just talked about with the Packers and Washington, the strengths of the Rams and the weaknesses of the Lions are perfectly aligned with one another, especially on offense and defense. And what do I mean by that? Let's go to our buddies over at True Media. The Lions, second most yards per play allowed so far this season, most yards per pass attempt allowed this season, 29th in the NFL in pressures, 28th in total defensive EPA, last in pass defense EPA. The other side of this, the Rams, second in yards per play on offense, first in yards per attempt, second in total offensive EPA, First in pass offense EPA. I mean, that is just a perfect recipe for the Rams to win this game like 41 to 10. I mean, what they do great on offense is exactly, exactly what the Lions struggle against the most on defense. So as big as this number is, the back door always open when we're talking about a 16 and a half point spread. That's just something you have to live with. But I just think that the Rams are going to be able to run up the score in a big, big way. And if there is a team, if there is a coaching staff that knows exactly how to take advantage of Jared Goff and prevent that back door from being open, <laughs> yeah. it is certainly this one. So as big as the number is, you know, I'm, I'm not lying. I'll be uncomfortable when the game kicks off, of course. I'll probably be uncomfortable until the Rams are up by, you know, 21 or 24 points. But I think that they get there and I think they win this one with uh, maybe the most ease we've seen in any game all season. Uh, Detroit's fought really hard. I mean, you got Dan Crandall's got True. his team fighting very hard. That's good. 
but they the, their cap in the last five games, they only scored 17 points per game or less in every game. They mm-hmm. just can't get anything done offensively. My only concern for this would be that the Rams will look at uh, the Lions have allowed 467 yards on the ground over the past four weeks to running backs. It's one of the worst totals in the league. Their run defense is just as bad. If the Rams start to run the ball, and let's say Detroit does find a way to put up 17, now you've got to get to 34, or you got to get more than 34. And if you're running the ball, I it, that makes it harder to get that. It was the only reason I couldn't pick, I couldn't jump on this. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, well, they may decide to do that. But I also think, okay, if you're McVeigh, you really want to show up. That you want, <laughs> uh, you won't be golf by, you don't want to be golf by 10 or 13. You want to destroy him. So I, I think that there'll be, there'll be extra motivation for them there. Always the concern, uh, which you mentioned, there's always the concern also of the Rams being up by 21 points at the start of the fourth quarter and playing a bunch of second unit guys and them giving back a touchdown. That's obviously going to be at play. There's a concern of the Rams saying we are by far the better team in this one. Let's just let's not put anything on tape. Let's keep this game moving quick and let's just win it like 20 to through 20 to 10 and get out of there. Like that's a concern for sure. All those things definitely add up when you're talking about a 16 and a half point spread, but I just keep coming back to what I said, not to belabor the point, but those strengths of the Rams and the weaknesses of the Lions line up so perfectly that this is the recipe for like I said something like 41 to 10. So I will comfortably back the Rams even laying all of those points and when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, KC, let's move on to our next pick here. This is an interesting one you're pulling out. Falcons minus two at the Dolphins. Just an interesting game, right? The Falcons, why are they favored by two on the road? What have they done to be favored by two? At the same time, Dolphins coming back from London. No buy for them, jumping right back into the action. It's just a strange game. This was one of those ones that was very easy for me just to cross off and move on from. Why are you not crossing it off and backing the Falcons? Well, the Falcons had their best uh, showing of the season in Week 5. They beat the Jets while posting season highs. <clears throat> excuse me, a total offensive yards and passing yards, and they set lows in first downs and total yards allowed. So they're playing as good as they have on offense, as good as they have on defense. Part mm-hmm. of that was doing the competition, but Miami's beset with plenty of problems of its own. They posted 77 or fewer rushing yards in every game but one this year. The Falcons have vastly more offensive weapons, and I just see them being able to put up a lot of points. I see the Dolphins' offense struggling a lot. Atlanta, the past four weeks, Pertro Media has allowed the fifth fewest vertical yards in the league, so Miami's going to have trouble going deep. Miami's allowed the third most, so I think that uh, the, the passing attack for the Falcons is going to be able to get going. Miami's 0-3 against the spread in their last three. They're 0-4 against the spread in the last four when the line's between minus three and plus three. I think it shows the public just hasn't caught up with how bad Miami is. They think they're still looking at Miami and seeing the 2020 version of the Dolphins mm-hmm. and going, guys, this is not that team. I actually think Brian Flores, if things keep going like this, his job might be in jeopardy. They're playing that badly. And I think that Atlanta, I think it's why they're favored by two, and I actually think Atlanta should probably be favored by a little bit more than that. It's one of the widest disparities in terms of rest you're going to see ever in an NFL season. Falcons coming off a bye. 
Miami coming off a London game. I mean, that is, that is just something you just don't see. You just don't ever see something like that. So the Falcons have had a lot of time to prepare for this game, a lot of time to get rested up. Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage, both going to be back for them in this one. They got Kyle Pitts going in their last game, which happened to be in London as well. But it was two weeks ago rather than one week ago for Miami. So I do think that we're starting to see – Arthur Smith find his footing with this Atlanta offense. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing going forward for this team and for us in the fantasy football world and for, uh, you know, maybe the way we feel about the Falcons. So it's a pick for you. It's not a play for me. I just, I, I, as much as I want to, I just still can't fully get behind the Falcons as a road favorite, regardless of opponent, given the way that they've played this season. But that's what we'll mark down Falcons minus two at the Dolphins for your second pick. For my second pick, another one that has moved, another one that I'm happy that I already bet, because even as recently as yesterday, Titans five and a half point dogs against the Chiefs today. They are four and a half point dogs, and I'm still backing the Titans, I will say. A little bit less comfortable at four and a half than I was at five and a half, maybe about a point less comfortable than I was when it was sitting at five and a half. But here's the thing, Casey. Why do we think the Chiefs are going to slow down Titans offense? Why would we ever think that's going to happen with what the Chiefs have shown us all season? I mean, we just have we're halfway through the season. Teams are what they've shown us, basically, at this point. And of course, there's some shades of gray there, and there is some nuance that maybe they're not exactly what they've shown. But for the most part, we got to take what we've seen at basically face value, and especially when it's as strong a trend as the Chiefs' defense has shown us this season. Last in the league in defensive EPA. Even after last week against Washington, when they held them to just 276 yards of offense, still allowing a league-high 6.71 yards per play. They've just been really inefficient on defense. They have let teams rack up these big, big plays through the air and on the ground 30th in yards per pass attempt allowed, 30th in yards per rush allowed. And that's just not a recipe you want to bring into a game against Derrick Henry's offense when they also are able to uh, play action as effectively and efficiently as they are. And so I just think that this is a game that I think the Chiefs win this game. I think the Chiefs could keep the Titans at semi-arm's length for most of the game. I just, I mean, the Chiefs are going to be able to do everything the Titans offense is able to do and then some on the other side. But I just don't see why we should be comfortable backing the Chiefs laying this amount of points on the road against an offense that can do what the Titans can do. I mean, I don't care what they did against Washington last week. You're talking about a backup quarterback, the same compromised by injury Antonio Gibson and Terry McLaurin we talked about with your Packers bet. No Logan Thomas, no Curtis Samuel. Like, cool. They beat a backup quarterback who had two uh, significantly compromised offensive players and two other key offensive players out. Like, that is not an impressive defensive performance. Every other game this season, they have been really beaten up by the offense that they've played against. And I don't think that there's any reason to think the Titans can't do the exact same thing. Give me the Chiefs to win relatively comfortably in terms of just I I feel no uh, issue with the Chiefs winning this game. But I think this is something that's got field goal written all over it. Chiefs 37, Titans 34, something along those lines. This defense needs to show us a little bit more against a non-injury depleted offense before we think they're going to hold any competent offense under 30 points. Yeah, and Tractor Cito's really hard to stop. It's it's he's he can't keep up at the Henry can't keep up at the pace he's at as far as carries right. wise. But he's not wore out yet. And we we saw that last week. He is absolutely not wore out. And the thing is, the Titans know. I mentioned this before. I think I mentioned this last week that the Chiefs, if they get into shootout games the past four years, that's where each team scores twenty four more points. They're eighteen and twelve. If they don't get to shootout, they're twenty nine and three now. 
That's mm-hmm. you know you need to get in a high scoring game with them, which means the Titans are going to have an aggressive game plan. They're going to know they need to keep the Chiefs in that kind of game plan. And the Titans are one of those rare teams that they can run the ball and still get into a shootout because Henry's mm-hmm. that good. If they, you know most teams that run the ball, of course they're going to get the low scoring games. No, not the Titans. They can go ahead. They can rack up thirty one if he's on his game. The only concern I have is. A.J. Brown's having the digestive issues. You've got Julio Jones banged up. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they're not there, it does cap what the Titans can do in their passing game potentially, but I think at least one of them can go. And plus, uh, Westbrook Kikini's doing fine as a backup, and I, I love their matchup to a Ferkshire. I think that uh, their tight end could get uh, could, uh, it could make people remember John o. Smith, so I'm with you on this one. Yeah, another one of my concerns for this one is just that, like, I could be basically right, but instead of 37-34, it could be 38-31, right? Like, the Titans' offense can do everything I'm expecting it to do on the Chiefs' defense, and the Chiefs could just be a touchdown better instead of a field goal better. Like we said, there's no reason to think the Titans are going to slow down the Chiefs whatsoever in this one either, so maybe the over is a better play. That's sitting at 57.5, though. That's a lot of points, even when we look at these two offenses and these two defenses, so I'll still trust the Titans to keep this one close, keep it in 4.5, and maybe... Just maybe give me a little bit of a window. If they get up early, maybe I can middle this uh, if the Titans get up early and it comes down a little bit and then get on the Chiefs side of things. So something also to consider with this game. One more pick a piece for us, KC. You're getting next to another one that I just couldn't quite get to myself. Even though if I were forced to pick it, I probably lean in your direction with the Patriots. I couldn't quite go there. Why can you? Yeah, I was of that mindset at first, but then I started looking at it a little further. And, I mean, the Jets beat Tennessee in Week 4, and they lost a close game to Atlanta Week 5, but those results mask how bad they are. Take <laughs> away the Week 2 game against the Patriots, and they lost that game, by the way, 25-6. to they, they rushed for 66 or fewer yards in every game. They've also posted 207 or fewer passing yards in all but one matchup. Last two weeks, they've allowed 51 points, 58 first downs, and 880 Jeez. offensive yards. New England just had its worst off de- defensive performance ever under Bill Belichick, but they've got more than enough offensive of strength against this uh, team. And not only that, I think uh, Belichick's going to be highly motivated to go against Zach Wilson and say, hey, what we did to you the last time around, we're going to do the same thing. It's also in New England. And the Jets, 0-3 against the spread in road games this year. 0-3 is a road dog this year. They're 1-4 as an underdog this year. I just think, again, people aren't necessarily seeing the Jets as how bad that they are. I realized they beat Tennessee a couple weeks ago, but they really are. They're still a very sorry team, and that defense isn't the kind of defense you would expect uh, Salah to have as his defense. But mm-hmm. they, they've got some problems there, and I think Belichick is going to find those weaknesses and see in what, what he can do to put up a pretty strong game. I just can't say I have trouble seeing the Jets. They scored six last time against the Patriots. Maybe they get to 13 this time, something of that nature, but I can easily see the Patriots getting at least the low 20s in this one. So I'll take that. I think they're going to win this by 10. You saw a pretty good game out of Mac Jones last week against the Cowboys, and so maybe the Patriots feel comfortable with him opening things up just a little bit. Double-digit yards per attempt that should uh, maybe show them some growth that the rookie is having about halfway through his first season in the NFL. For my last pick, I'm going to go to Bengals, Ravens, six and a half. Uh, the Bengals are just a good team. I mean, it's time to accept that their, uh, their, their net yards per pass attempt versus their yards per pass attempt allowed just line up with exactly what we would expect to see from really a playoff team. And so I just think this is too big a number. 
number. I think the Ravens win. But six and a half just feels like way too big a number, especially when you consider uh, the way that I expect the game to go when the Ravens have the ball. We know what this Ravens offense is. Even with them popping a few more big plays to Marquise Brown, even getting Rashad Bateman in the fold now uh, after last week, his first career game, this is still a team that is going to live on the ground. This is still a team that, even with Latavius Murray can't play, you know they'll work in Devontae Freeman. They'll get, probably get Tyson Williams active for this game if Latavius Murray is indeed down, and they're just still going to live on that run game. So you've got a team that, you know, un, sort of unlike the Titans, right? This is a team that is one of those more methodical run-based offenses that does hit a few big plays, but doesn't necessarily live in that same area that the Titans do. Then on the other side, you've got a vastly improved Bengals defense, a very, very good defense that really is going to make the Ravens work for every single thing that they do up and down the field. So I just have trouble believing there's going to be enough possessions for this game to get the Ravens up a touchdown. That's that's really what I come down to. I think there's not enough possessions and, frankly, not enough gap between the two teams for the Ravens to be, like, two possessions better than the Bengals in this one, and that's really what the spread is asking for. I think the Ravens win, but I think this is more along the lines of a 23-20 to sort of game. I just don't see the shootout potential or the dominance potential for the Ravens to win this one by a touchdown. I think that game against the Colts have kind of thrown people off as to what the Ravens are, and the Colts had some unique problems there, and mm-hmm. that was a unique situation. And they're thinking, okay, that's what the Ravens' offense is. Like, no, it's not what they are. That 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 was that was an anomaly that you got to keep it in mind for that for what that contest was. And the Bengals' defense is not going to allow that to happen. And the Ravens, they're run. I mean, they're still obviously a run-centric team, and that's who they are. But they're banged up on their offensive line, and their blocking mm-hmm. just hasn't been quite as good. They're not, again, this is not a dominant run blocking team, a good one, but not mm-hmm. a dominant one like they were last year just because of the injuries. And because, I mean, again, the backfield injuries. I mean, you've been talking now, you're getting down to what is it? It would be their, if Murray's out, that would be what, their, their fifth string running back now? It technically, what it would be? Because <laughs> the Austrian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you're going to fifth or sixth string running backs. And, and I mean, it's it's when you're happy putting Levy and Bell in the backfield today. I mean, maybe five years ago, different story. You're happy, you're happy when he's going to play that that's a problem for them so yeah i think this is uh i don't think the public's caught up necessarily with how good the bengals are versus the ravens a good call on this one yeah this is just it's going to be a close game i just i feel very confident with how good these two teams are how evenly matched they are and the defense on cincinnati side versus what baltimore what's wants to do they want to do that offensively this is just going to be a close game it's hard to see either one of these teams pulling away i bet it's played in a one score window uh for uh, throughout this contest so give me the bengals plus six and a half and thank you for joining us on this episode of Best on the Board at The Athletic. Uh, be sure to check us out three times a week. We are here with you every Monday, every Thursday, every Friday. And for you NBA fans, sneak peek next Monday. We are going to start talking NBA. We'll be doing that once a week, every single Monday. So keep your eyes and ears out for that. Casey Joyner, I am Michael Beller. Good luck this weekend. Thanks for joining us, and happy betting.